Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Somebody the other day in the YouTube comments said, uh, I'm a little tired of the echo. I don't really like the echo. All right, we'll, we'll mix it up. I said to the person in the comments, you know, I'll, I'll make it. Let's make a new one and see if not completely different. Let's just, you know, try and make it a little different. See if people like that. We're, we're here for feedback. So what if we go back with a uh, with a tune, an opening tune, you know, but not not one that's an actual artist tune, but one of those, you know, generic tunes. Yeah, it's hard for the it's harder for the YouTube show. We got to figure out how to if we want to mix that in. It's the but. final countdown. Ba, ba, what if, ba, what ba, if ba. I sing? <laughs> Guy and John, the algorithm will catch that, or look, yeah, Haberman's a Raider fan. Yeah, we could do something if we get you just you want to get flagged actually by the algorithm for that, it means you got a good voice, exactly. We need lasers, the echo is creepy. Have Derek Papa make you some. Oh. Not a terrible idea. He's made us some good stuff in the past. Yeah. Good and cheesy, but good. That's but the point, I guess. part of it, like, just get you a little laugh. And, you know, Every time I see our buddy John Dickinson in my head, I just think, John Dickinson. That's an old radio joke for people. Didn't we have a Mayoko one, too? Let's go out to Matt Mayoko, whose <laughs> favorite drink is hot cocoa. Let's go out to Matt Mayoko. That's how, that's, that was the song. Yeah, it's, it's very... I actually think... I talked to Derek on his on his podcast show uh, a couple weeks ago, and he might have some good news headed back. You know, maybe a little closer to where you and I sit right now. Oh yeah, yeah. So maybe you know he'll have some time, and we just he's got some big things on the horizon, and maybe we have him mix us up a little something. He might even oh. have access to a studio where he could do a little mixing. So oh wow, DJ. <laughs> yeah, I think we could have him do us something. We'll pay him. We'll compensate him. A couple okay. burritos or something. <laughs> yeah, make him feel like he's working for radio in 2007. He might be working for radio in 2022. Uh, oh, call the show not Coachella. Might be great for the algo. Maybe we should call the show just the name changes. month. Whatever is hot right then and there. It's just for the algorithm. It's just that's the name of the show. Coachella, what what's a better name? Coachella. Do you see the country does the same thing? I think down there called Stagecoach. Uh huh. Feels like Stagecoach is an easier name. Stagecoach is a good name. It is a good name. Yeah, I like Stagecoach. The I name mean, we talk about Coachella. coaches, and this is kind of our stage. Yeah, Stagecoach. And there's just you know the algorithm. People are always looking for something about Stagecoach. For sure. I, oh, I found these guys. They talk about Stagecoach. Let me check on. Let me check out the show, and then it's. It's, it will just be a never rotating group of people like, you know, 20 to 28, right? Yeah. <laughs> we would have to wear 90s basketball jerseys for every episode. Not a terrible idea. I got the Vince Carter Raptors on today, John. 
Patrick Ewing Knicks. Patrick Ewing Knicks. That'd be a good one. Yeah. A Vernon Maxwell. Yeah, you just keep Mitch Richmond. Kings. Mitch Richmond. I like that one. Jim uh, Jackson Mavs. That's a good one. That's a really good one, actually. I know. Who's the guy I have in my head right now? Oh, you know what? I used to Mario Ellie. Oh, like actually. Yeah, Spurs. Dan Marley would be my would, would be my first round pick, I think. Uh Abby Hornacek's dad. Yeah. I worked with Abby Hornacek on a USC spring game a long time ago. She works at Fox News now. Yeah. She has like a like park. She goes out to like parks and stuff. She's doing well. I've been following her on social media a long time, ever since <laughs> you did that game with her. <laughs> Steph Marbury, Kemp for sure, Grant Hill. Buddy of mine told me this story like three days ago. Story from his friend that his nanny, guy grew up in Seattle. His nanny told him one day, we're going to go meet Sean Kemp. So he thought they were going to like the mall for an autograph signing. They go to a hotel. She leaves him in the hallway. She goes into Sean Kemp's hotel room. She comes out later and is like, all right, let's go. And he's like, I, I didn't mean Sean Kemp. So then she knocks on the door, opens it back up. Sean Kemp in a robe signs his hat. So she just went there to have sex with Sean Kemp. <laughs> I was like, can we get the LinkedIn? Can we get her at? Like, what, what was this? Was she one? I mean, doesn't Sean Kemp have like 17 children? Is this kid maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, Cousin, maybe that cousins. Uh, the mom or that? Was that his mom? No, nanny. Oh, nanny. Nanny. Yeah. Nanny was getting work in, you know. John, let's tell the people as we dive into the podcast about our friends at Manscaped. Manscaped.com, promo code HAM. Manscaped.com, promo code HAM. It's time to get after it right now with Manscaped. The ultra smooth package is here. Do it, guy. Grab your lawnmower 4.0 and give the boys a classic trim to your liking. No snagging. It's great. It's silent. It's easy to charge. It's waterproof. You and I have had every single edition of the lawnmower. And the lawnmower 4.0, best yet. We got crop preservers. So when you're doing a little after a little shower, throw a little something on there. We have the uh, the weed whacker for the nose hairs. You don't want a little nose. You're going to a business meeting. You're going out on a date. You're going to something serious, a little nighttime, whatever. And you have a big nose hair hanging out. Bad look. And that's where the weed eater takes that bad boy out. You just put weed it up. whacker, weed whacker, and <laughs> easy to use. John, also you asked for it, and oh. our friends at Manscaped listens. They just relaunched the ultra smooth package. It is back, baby! Your new favorite tool and complement to the lawnmower 4.0 to keep the boys smooth, looking and feeling the best. The specialized groin shaving kit is here to help you buff, protect, and shave your most sensitive areas. It's time to crop that bush off yours and get right to the roots with a discount just for you. From Manscaped, it's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code HAM. That's H-A-M. The legends who introduced the electric ball trimmer are bringing back a razor so you can be set and trimmed front and back. Manscaped.com, the promo code HAM. 20% off and free shipping. Smooth out your fellas with the relaunched ultra smooth package from the fellas. And Manscaped, promo code HAM. Get it. Your balls will thank you. Yes, they will. All right. Uh, as the draft continues, we watched on f- Friday night, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch speak to the media. They looked pretty loose. They looked pretty comfortable. They looked uh, a lot more at ease than John Lynch looked on Monday talking about Debo Samuel. Kyle Shanahan was asked if uh, they got close to trading Debo Samuel, if any of the offers 
were anything close to what it would have taken to consider trading Debo Samuel. And Kyle Shanahan said, not even close. With kind of a chuckle, like, yeah, nobody was even in the ballpark. What would you think of uh, what he said? Uh, I I think that it grew on social media, and rightfully so. And it felt like, I, I think when you live in that environment and a story like this takes off, you start talking yourself into this. And by about Tuesday or Wednesday before the first round, there was like 10, 38, Elijah Moore, and next year's second. You're like, God damn, that's a lot. <laughs> I mean, I think I'd pull the trigger. And then it comes out by Friday that the offer from the Jets, which were clearly the only team seriously considering it with their best, you know, they gave the best offer of all the shitty offers, was pick 10 and a fifth rounder. For the 49ers, Debo Samuel and their second rounder pick 61. I mean, that that offers a joke. But we also saw on on Thursday that the going rate for Debo Samuel like is somewhat in the ballpark of AJ Brown, which I think the Eagles feel pretty good about what they had to give up for him, right? Yeah. Which was pick 18, I think, in a third rounder for AJ Brown. Now, obviously, 10. You'd have to do the math. I think it was like pick 101. So pick 18 and 101. Does that equal 10? Like 10 is worth a lot. So I think that's where the Jets would go. You know, like the Raiders for Devontae Adams. They got 22 and a pick in the 50s, right? The the Packers did. Mm -hmm. Well, if you add that up, it probably doesn't equal 10. So I I bet the Jets' argument is just simply 10 is very, very valuable. And they are kind of right, you know? Like ultimately what the what the Raiders got for Khalil Mack, those two ones, if you add them up, they're not as high as you think. So where the Jets are coming from, like we're not giving you two picks in the 20s. We're giving you pick 10. And I think that – I don't think the 49ers had any inclination to ever trade the guy, especially like they that was never a thought that crossed their mind until he asked for a trade. And even then they were clearly a little dumbfounded. But once they started getting offers, once the thing went viral and the other teams kind of caught wind of it, they realized it would make absolutely no it, it would be it'd be malpractice to do this given the options that we have and not just write it out. Well, if they had just traded Debo Samuel for the players that the Packers got in the Raiders Devontae trade, they would have traded Debo for Quay Walker and Christian Watson. And despite some people maybe liking Christian Watson as a prospect, in part because he was in North Dakota State. The Packers had to trade up for that pick, I think, though, right? So that would be an awful return. I, I don't think that was the, the Raiders pick, though, was it? No, they might have had to move up. But my point is, like, that. let's just say, I'm just giving you a ballpark of, of what they got back for Devontae Adams, right? Yeah. Like, that would not be in, in the hemisphere. That would not, that would be met with disapproval. And then, and the, and then, and in their defense, the 49ers wouldn't do that deal, right? No. They wouldn't no ch- do that deal. No chance. Well, honestly, let's just use the deal that the, that the, because uh, I think the Debo comp of AJ Brown, right? Same draft class, same contract. He got traded for, you know, a third round pick and Traylon Burks. Would that feel like enough? No. Now it would feel like enough. Part of it feeling like enough is the player. What does that player become? Right. And he was a very intriguing player because he had a lot of comps to Debo. Right. Just in terms of the player, I think that number one yak receiver in college football. Yeah. But you would have gone. We basically just traded a known quantity for a major question mark because he's. We don't know how good he's going to be. 
and a third rounder. Like that's, I mean, there's a reason that John and Vrabel looked pretty rattled that night because they know how it was going to be perceived, right? Like they understood. They're not. And there's dumb. a reason Nick Sirianni was saying. He goes, uh, "You probably saw this, or maybe you, maybe you posted." And I, that's how I saw it. But his quote was like, "Yeah, you know how we have to project AJ Brown? We don't. We know what he looks like as a pro. There's no guessing. I know exactly what we're getting. We've watched the tape, right?" Well, ha- how he said when they threw on AJ Brown that you know they had like they got a they had a meeting once it got serious, and they're like, "Let's just watch him together." You know, our the assistant GM, me, Sirianni, his, some of his offensive coaches. After like the first game of highlights, Sirianni gets up like, guys, I've seen enough. Like what I, I play, I was with the Colts. We played this guy. Like I, we don't, and how he's like, no, we got to do our due diligence. But I, it was like, wouldn't that be the same thing of Debo Samuel? Like, Hey, we're interested in Debo Samuel throw on the tape. Uh, holy shit. Cause he's yeah. doing it against the Rams, the Titans, the whoever, the Cowboys trailing while very impressive. Like, I, I think the two guys that have by far the most pressure of all the skill guys are Traylon Burks, given who he's replacing, and Christian Watson. Fair or not, just because the Packers are so desperate for a wide receiver. If they Debo, also they took another one too, right? They took Romeo Dubs. Yeah, but he, but I mean, when you get drafted 34th overall and he's going to be viewed as just a guy, now that guy end up, might end up being better than Watson, but the pressure immediately on Watson, I would say in training camp, if the Niners had got rid of Debo, whoever offensive skill wise they picked, with one of those picks high to replace him, the pressure on him, he would have been the, him and Trey Lance would have been the story of camp, right? Yeah, yeah. It would have put a lot more pressure on Trey Lance too. Now, Debo hasn't shown up yet. They haven't signed a contract yet. It hasn't been resolved yet, right? And I think part of what Kyle, part of what I took away from what Kyle Shanahan said on Friday night was like, we are going to fix this. Right. In the same way that a coach comes in and says, I'm going to get my strength and conditioning program in line, or we're going to be about discipline, or we're going to be about running the ball. Like, and that's on them. So that if in three years your program doesn't run the football, or your players don't look better, or your recruiting class rankings aren't better, that's on the coach. The Niners are taking a risk. Maybe they don't view it as a big risk, but they they calculated the risk. The Titans calculated the math and said, We are not going to pay AJ Brown. So let's get something for him. The 49ers have calculated the risk, risk, and Kyle Shanahan believes. Now, maybe they know at the end of the day this is more financial than anything else, but it's it's somewhat interpersonal because Kyle said, you know, it's easy when you're looking at screens and you're on your phone. When you get people in a room and you can just talk to people, we've got a good relationship with him. We know him. He knows us pretty well. Like, that's what they're banking on. Now, maybe they're also banking on putting a piece of paper in front of him with a lot of money on it, and he'll sign it. But part of what Kyle said on Friday was essentially my ability to talk and John's ability to talk and be communicators and essentially do the things that coaches do, which is get people to believe in you and get people to buy in. That's going to win Debo over. And I I do think there is merit to that because I think any time that you spend a lot of time on your phone, that any time that you have a separation from something – your mind wanders, I, whether you're young or you're old. And the one thing that Kyle and John have is they're just, while the season ends for them, their work doesn't end. Like every day is just they're back on the hamster wheel, right, of free agency, the draft, pro days, the combine, owners meetings. Debo's just kind of sitting there. It is kind of a weird, just complete halt for a younger player. And then you're waiting also for your contract. Think how much time there is for him just to think. 
right? Because I talk to other people that aren't them. And some of his other friends are going through some weird shit, right? If, let's just assume he's buddies with AJ Brown. They're going through some <laughs> weird things. And so you're just like, what is going on? You're saying if he's only talking to DK Metcalf, <clears throat> AJ Brown, Hollywood Brown, just all yeah. his agents, clients. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'd say, I think one of the stunning parts of this wasn't just his play, but just the package of Debo Samuel for this season, right? How, how much fun he was having, how much pride he took coming out the locker room with Trent Williams. Like, he was, you know, you often say like uh, a guy's the heartbeat of the team, like the Warriors. You know, Curry's the greatest player of all time in the history of the franchise, but Draymond's the heartbeat. And when you watch him, he's like, Draymond takes so much pride in being a Warrior. It felt like Debo was like playing a role. Like Kittle has that, right? And Debo had that too. You're like, this guy wants to leave? And then you start doing the natural, and I, trust me, I did it. Like, well, you know, the taxes, Santa Clara, fuck, I wouldn't want to live there either. And I'm not from, even from Florida, I'm from uh, 30 minutes north. So if you start kind of understanding it, but he hasn't actually tangibly said any of that. People are putting thoughts, and even Kyle tried to kind of poo-poo that. He's like, you know, a lot of things fly. And this gets back to the draft compensation. It was all made up. Every story that came out, and listen, I ran with it like you did, like we all did, because we're like, well, that, is that a good trade? Those were not like 10, 38, and Elijah Moore was nowhere near the trade options. Well, the Elijah Moore thing, on the list of the crazy trade offers, that was... But on the internet, that Not was floating them. around there. I know, but but like, <laughs> yeah, that one that like could justify once you take, I guess ten. I, I don't Wilson think it makes sense for the Jets. No, it doesn't. The Jets are not Debo away from being no. good. Like the, some of these picks were like, I wouldn't do that if I were the Jets, and clearly they thought the same thing. Well, I don't think let's say Tyree Kill had never been traded to the Dolphins, and the Dolphins just had their picks right twenty nine, their second round pick, all the stuff that they gave for Tyree Kill, the, the first, the second, the two fours, and a sixth. I don't think the Niners could accept that offer for Debo Samuel, right? Because that pick was just their pick. And, you know, they won nine games, so their second-round pick wasn't that terrible. Don't you think people would have freaked out if that was yes the offer? I think they would have freaked out. I don't think they could. I think the difference between them and the Titans is the Titans decided this has gone as far as it can. We're not going to pay him more. He wants more. It's over. The 49ers have not either decided or realized that it's over. Right, and maybe it's not over, but I'm just saying the Titans reached a conclusion. It's over. You know who was drafted with the 49ers pick? <laughs> oh, they ended up. They, I, well, they flip flopped because the Chiefs traded up to get McDuffie, but Cole Strange. That was that was the 29th pick. Who they liked? The Niners liked. The Niners liked, and the Rams liked. I think a lot of teams liked just in the third round. But regardless, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I think them and the and think about this. Who is ultimately the team that traded for A.J. Brown? A team that was desperate for a real wide receiver to go along with their young star wide receiver, right? Right. It was kind of a perfect match. they desperate for an outside wide receiver. They've been looking for this guy for years. They've missed on several picks, and it was the perfect match, right? And it was worth it for them to trade a valued pick, right? I mean, I, I, I just think that it all matched up for the Titans and we'll see whether they are proven right. Like there's going to be pressure. Like ultimately if AJ Brown doesn't work out, I don't think anyone can fault the Eagles. If Traylon Burks does not turn into a good player, I do think that John will just naturally take some shit from his fan base, right? We didn't need to do this. You didn't need to do it. Or if you had done it, you could have got out. There are other trades that would have been out there that didn't involve Traylon Burks, right? Now it made the most sense. I'm just saying if AJ Brown was just, Open market, A.J. Brown, what's, maybe that's the best offer you could get, 18. And maybe it would have been, right? 
the best possible offer you could get was the one they got. But, you know, it's kind of the Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs one. We don't talk about it at all from the Vikings perspective. They nailed the pick. Now, most guys aren't Justin Jefferson, but they nailed the pick. So, cool. You know, it's it's always easy to talk about after the fact. Well, if, if, you, were the, the, if, you, if you were the Jets, obviously you couldn't get Debo for what you were offering. Would you have offered 10 straight up for A.J. Brown? You know, I don't. I don't know I that I would have. I don't think I would have either. Because I think the Jets are not in that place right now. And why wouldn't you just take a young player that you have on a contract for a while that can become your AJ Brown? You already have a we already have one receiver you really like that could get better, right? So yeah, um, yeah. I I thought they looked confident. Now this is part of what they're being paid for is their ability to connect with people. But at the end of the day, they're going to have to pay the guy. And we know, based on the A.J. Brown contract, kind of what the realm is. And it's a palatable. I wonder if that's part of why they were more relaxed is because A.J. Brown got paid and they go in their minds internally. They said, "Okay, yeah, we can do. Thank God A.J. Brown didn't just get 70 million dollars guaranteed. I think their greatest attribute is people really like the both guys and they know deep down they're good at that. Right. One thing Kyle Hanks had on is getting along with players. And John Lynch has hung his hat on for his entire life of dealing with other human beings and being a leader and, and resonating with people from, I mean, he said it in his, in his hall of fame speech, like the one unique part about football is he points at Warren Sapp. He points at Derek Brooks. He points at himself. He lists where they're all from their economic backgrounds. And he's, we've been tied at the hip for 25 years. That doesn't happen in another walks of life. And that is the thing with football, really two football lifers, right? Kyle, and John, and they, you know, from a football standpoint, I think they love Debo Samuel, right? What he brings. I mean, John talks about all the time his will. Obviously, Kyle from a uh, who did I hear talking about this? Oh, I heard Matt Ryan was on with Rosillo, and he said the one he's like Kyle's greatest strength is he knows his offense so well, his understanding exactly what he wants in players. And I listen. I mean, I think sometimes a lot of coaches kind of get generic with stuff where Kyle is very, very specific, right? And it's been clear over the years, like what he likes and certain players and what he really values on his offense, like specifically like their roles, what he needs them to do. Like Ayuk, I don't care how good you are after the catch. If you're not blocking, I don't feel you're giving good effort. I'm just not going to play you. Like that's a huge part of my offense and the Debo versatility. And obviously we'll talk about it, but like they keep drafting running backs for a reason because they run through them. I mean, I actually think the Jets are another good example. Like they're start drafting running. Like you need running backs in the system. You know, look at Mike McDaniel. Like they've he and just inherits Waddle. He goes gets Tyree Kill. Like there are certain type players if you want to run this type offense. And Debo is just tailor made to be a star, which he is. Now I think the question, just big picture, which will come whenever the contract is signed, like sustaining and being healthy. But that's just part of football. I mean, AJ Brown has that same question mark, right? He's a guy that's battled injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that part of it then for the 49ers. I think I mentioned this to you. I don't remember if it was on the stream Friday or off, but hearing John Lynch on the Dimitrov podcast, one of the things he said was that when him and Kyle got the job, they sat down and made a list of what is our football philosophy and what are we about? Like, what are our core beliefs about how you build a football team? And because of the teams that he played on and the Tampa team and Warren Sapp, and one of the things they agreed on was one of our core beliefs is building up the defensive line. Like that's really important building for the middle. I had somebody else tell me this the other day. They were making the case that 
they think edge rushers are overrated, which is not a case a lot of people make. And their point was a guy like Aaron Donald is more valuable than Miles Garrett, partly because he's in the middle of your defense. And the middle, you should build the middle of your defense, kind of the way people talk about football. Well, how, but baseball. how many good defensive tackle pass rushing? Yeah, there are. Exactly. But his point was just the best guy in the middle is more valuable to you than the best guy on the edge. The best middle linebacker is more valuable to you than the best. He didn't say the best middle linebacker. I'm putting words. But his point was Aaron Donald's more valuable than Miles Garrett. That was kind of his point. Um, but the Niners, say what you want. They've They've nailed some picks. They've whiffed on some picks. Some of the picks we thought were good and then turned out to be bad. Some of the picks we thought were bad and were bad. But they have not strayed from what they believe in at all. And no. partly, I think it's a because of the way they've had success, it's only reinforced what they believe in. I, I, I think the greatest strength, and we, you and I talked about this before we jumped on, if you could build an ideal coach from scratch, he would be an offensive play caller who really values defense. And values the trenches. And t- t- specifically toughness, defensive toughness, right? Yeah, and, and that's really one thing the 49ers in two of their three years when they've been good, they have really hit people on defense. Uh, see, I, where I disagree, I think corners are overrated. And I think corners are overrated in the sense if you can dominate up front and have an incredible pass rush and have a dominant front, and the Niners now are going to roll into this season. Think about this. Nick Bosa, number two overall pick. Javon Kinlaw, number 14th overall pick. Eric Armstead, I think he was like 15 or 17 or something, mid-first-round pick, and just a blue-chip body. Like, Kinlaw and Armstead are two of the better-looking guys getting off the bus in the National Football League, right? I mean, honestly, I bet they're both guys top 10 NFL guys getting off the bus, like Jordan Davis. They'd be on the short list. I mean, Eric Armstead, when he made the 49ers pick for Drake Jackson, you're like, Jesus, guy's enormous. Every time you see him, it's just, you just, God, this guy's huge. And credit to him, he's real. You and I were talking about this yesterday on the stream. Like he's really become a really good player for them. Drake Jackson, like they, they are, they they resign Hyder. They have other guys. Their defensive line coach, I think, non offense is their best position coach. And you could argue he's just the best true position coach on their team right now. That unit can overcome. Like okay, uh, Ambry Thomas, and if Lenore starts playing, and just some random corners, they drafted a kid in the fifth round. Whatever. You can have average corners if the Niners' defensive line is just dominant. And I think Kyle knows that, and that's why they drafted Jake Jackson really high. Uh, you know, if Kinlaw can just become a contributing member, I mean, they, they, they could all of a sudden. I mean, they, they, they have a lot invested into that group, guy. If Drake Jackson is the lowest-rounded guy that's going to be in, like, the top five guys that they have, think about that. I would add one other part to it because we've seen them playing a lot of big games and these situations come up all the time in the playoffs. And I know it's all about getting to the quarterback because it's a throwing league. But if you can stop the run in crunch time, it changes big games. Every big, almost every playoff game, it's four minutes left. And it's like, well, the defense has no timeouts left or the defense has one timeout left. Can the offense pick up a first down here without throwing the football? Two minutes left. It, how many times does it come up in big games that the Niners play? How time. are these last two and a half minutes going to play out? Can they run the football or not? It's critical. Again, we're stating obvious things, but these are the basics. And I think the point is the Niners established what their basics were. This organization, the, John and Kyle, established what their basics were, and they've stuck to their basics. And they part of the- it is just their football upbringing, right? Mike Shanahan, ass kicker. John Lynch, ass kicker. Kyle Shanahan grew up watching an ass kicker's team, and his dad had the personality of an ass kicker, right? Yeah, even though he's <laughs> ass kickers. <laughs> yeah. Like they value that because it's not. Everyone knows it's not a soft sport, but 
part of it is just yeah, I love hearing offensive linemen talk. It's just can I can I bully the person in front of me? Which well, is what I, the sport at the most basic level comes down to. The Niners' best defenses, like to me, the Harbaugh defenses were probably a little better than that 19 defense. Obviously, the 19 defense, I think, was better than this year. Beside Richard Sherman, who had an all-pro season in 19, they have not had great cornerback play. But both teams, the 19 team... Verrett had a good year, right, two years ago. Uh, in 2020? Yeah. Yeah, you, you could argue, like... So they've had Sherman in 19, Verrett in 20... Carlos Rogers had a couple of solid years for Balky and Harbaugh, but like they really hung their hat on their front seven being unstoppable. You can't run. And the other thing, they can get pressure at a moment's notice. And at any moment, the quarterback, whether you're playing Stafford, whether you're playing Eli Manning or Rogers or Brady, they're just under duress. So it's like, okay, even if you don't have Richard Sherman out there and you just have a couple Ambry Thomases, and Ambry might turn out to be a solid starter for a couple of years. Hell, he might be get one day get paid or whatever. But right now, I don't think we can view him as like anything more than average, which is fine. I think you can win with average corners and Jimmy Ward flying around if your front seven is annihilating people. You cannot run the ball on me. And if it's third and eight, I can drop my linebackers who are all athletic, roam around in space, and those four guys are fucking coming. Two of them are enormous up the middle, so they're going to have their hands up. And then I got Bosa and Drake Jackson or Hyder or whoever coming off the other side. Good luck. Because the other thing we know, there are only so many Trent Williams in this league. Most teams is like have below average tackle somewhere, and many teams don't feel good about either tackle. And I bought a good quarterback with a good coach who throws the ball quickly can be problematic. Yeah, but if you're de- if you dominate up front, like you can just you can dictate the terms. And that's what they did in 19. That's what Harbaugh did. And that, to me, is the mindset of this team. Now, you're, you're asking, obviously, they got Kinlaw's got to start bringing something. Drake Jackson's going to be a rookie. Like, they're going to depend on some unknowns. But they have a couple core. When you have a couple core pieces, to me, in your front seven, it's so much easier for other guys to just kind of blend in. You know, and then one thing we know with the defensive line coach, there's just going to be some random guy you've never heard of, like give him seven sacks. They've done that over and over and over again. The other thing is when you can stop the run, it's hard for you to get a big lead on me. Right. Because eventually you get up a couple touchdowns, you want to slow the game down, you know, and, and let's face it. We, we thought this last year all the time. Like, why don't you just keep throwing on the Niners? Like, it's just the natural inclination is not to throw it 60 times a game. It's like we got to mix in some runs. <laughs> You know, the Niners got into a lot back into a lot of games that way, like down 10 or down 13 and be like, I would just keep throwing. But that's just the natural is like, let's just slow down the pace, give ourselves a breather. And it's be like first, you know, boom, tackle for loss. Boom. And then all of a sudden, like how they get the ball back. <laughs> the, true. The, the, I feel very, very good about their ability to figure out and get exceptional play with talented guys in those front. Like I expect the linebackers to be awesome. And I expect. They I actually, expect Drake Jackson to be good. I do too. We'll talk. Let's talk about him coming up in a second. Uh, but John, first, let's tell the people about our friends at Sleep Number, sleepnumber.com/ham. Why choose proven quality sleep from Sleep Number? Because every great day starts the night before. Knowing more about your sleep helps you achieve the best quality sleep for your overall health and well-being. Right now, go to sleepnumber.com/ham. Yep, guy. Try to go to bed and wake up at the same time every day. Create a relaxing bedtime routine at least 20 minutes before you plan to close your eyes. 
you know, it's like a pre-shot routine in golf. You just got to get a little routine before you go to sleep. You get a good night's sleep an hour before bedtime. Turn off that phone of yours, guy. Turn that thing down. Turn that thing off. Leave it on the side. And just get a good night's sleep in your sleep number bed. Wake up refreshed, ready to dominate like Drake Jackson coming off the edge. Sleep number smart bed owners who use their smart bed's circadian rhythm feature oh. improve their bedtime and wake time consistently by 35 minutes for better quality sleep. Okay, just think about that. So this is this is science, baby. Uh, whether you like a little, you like the bed a little softer, like John, whose sleep number is forty, or me, a little firmer. I sleep numbers fifty-five. There's something for everybody on both sides of the bed at sleepnumber.com/ham. Now we talking. Now we talking. Discover special offers now for a limited time at your local Sleep Number store, or just go to sleepnumber.com/ham. Sleep Number proven quality sleep is life changing. Sleep. Game changers. Uh, all right, let's talk about did the Niners get any game changers. Now, if you didn't see it on th- Friday, we made a immediate reaction, kind of scouts reaction to Drake Jackson's draft pick. That video is available on YouTube. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about him now, A, for the podcast, B, because you've got some new scouting reports, and we heard John Lynch talk about him. So um, the 49ers took Drake Jackson. We both like the pick. They took him with the 29th pick of the second round. I'll reread some of the scouting report that I got on him. And um, you can mention the first one you got was that um, – do you have them handy or do you want me to start with the one I yeah, had? Yeah, you go ahead. So the scouting report that I got from um, somebody around who was around him his whole time at USC, this is what they said to me. Um, no, I'm not as high on him as some USC people are. I was confused with his weight loss freshman to sophomore year. He dropped 20 pounds. He's awkward at 6'4", 260. It's like, is he a really big outside linebacker or an underside defensive end? I always thought he looked like he could play at 280 and be a beast. Always thought if some defensive coordinator got him with a versatile scheme and he puts his hand down, he can drop. He's athletic enough to do both. First round pick, I don't think he's that. I think he's a great second round pick, but his best ball could definitely be ahead of him. So that was the scattering report I I got. And then I'll add to what John Lynch said Friday night. John Lynch said, when you see all his weight loss and weight gain, you wonder what's up. But when you study him, you realize he was just doing what the coaches wanted. And that was part of my guy's point was like SC was kind of a mess. They they were doing different stuff with him. And to mix it up, they were they had him drop some weight because the defensive coordinator was a linebacker coach, et cetera. He also lost about 20 pounds. He got sick, John Lynch said. So there's a reason for it, and it sounds like I think John Lynch's line was, we want guys to be as powerful, the lowest weight they can be and be as powerful as they can be. Whatever that weight is, that's where we want. Drake Jackson, you like, question mark, me. Response, shocked he was there, to be honest. Like Drake a lot as a talent. Has had a weird, bad spring because of the huge weight fluctuation. Like that is a specific thing, this weight fluctuation Currently in the spring, dropped weight, and historically his career up and down. He's young and obviously just has some maturity issue with age. If his weight is right and he can figure out the, the, the right spot to be at, he's a very good rusher. We had him right there. I asked. A little D40? If he, he would then have to play 
he'd have to lose 30 pounds. Yes, he has that ability to bend and rush the passer. Ideally, I think he can play it a little heavier, though. So they don't think he can just be what's D Ford known as, right? 230 pound rusher, no run. He cannot play the run at all, but he's an elite speed rusher. This guy, people think, can be a really good pass rusher, but be a little more powerful. There is just question, and part of it is this guy's twenty just turned 21 years old. It's like, is he going to play at 240? Is he going to play at 255? There is just some unknown with this guy. I, I think me, he might play higher than that. 260? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's just going to be some, a work in progress to figure out exactly what, which it might take a couple years. Like that's to me this year, I would just focus on him. I would start Kerry Hyder, and this guy would be a nickel pass rusher. I would bring this guy in to like that. That would I would just start a very basic role. Your job is to give me ten to fifteen snaps. What I think ideally, people are like can D four just give us some pass rushes, and it's like no, he can't. <laughs> Can you just play a role where, hell, you get a couple series in the first half, a couple series in the second half, if we got the lead, and you tee off, my man. And we'll figure it out over time, like, what you need to eat, how you get it. Because the weight fluctuation, like you said, he's young. He's just trying to, like, you're, you're telling us to do different. The scheme changes. For the 49ers, 100%, to me, they need a pass rusher. They do not need – now, eventually, if he becomes a good run player – their linebackers make all the tackles, right? They got three linebackers who fucking annihilate people. I need this guy to rush the passer. Because one thing we saw last year is like, Bosa turns into a top five NFL player. Can you imagine if he just gets a little help and just like has the And Eric Armstead is, in, is, an inside, is inside now? Yeah, and, and just they, they always find, and hell, Kinlaw can just give him a couple snaps. You, know, mm-hmm. I, I, you can see where John Lynch and Kyle are like, we got it, we're cooking. Because yeah. Eric's like, woohoo. Yeah, well, I, I think it goes back to... Do you agree, though? Just give this guy a specific role early and then let it grow as time goes on. I think it's a great idea. And the reason I think it's a great idea is what you're doing is you're taking a player who has not come from a stable situation. USC has not been good. It's been noise everywhere. And from a schematic standpoint, it's been all over the place. Haven't they changed schemes like three times? They've changed schemes multiple times. Obviously, they changed his position multiple times. And it's one thing when you change positions and we just move you and you learn new technique. It's another thing when you have to gain or lose a bunch of weight. And we're talking like 20 pounds, a lot of weight. Like, let me play it this way now. And his thing is he's willing. Like he said, I'll do. You want to make me a three, four outside linebacker? You want to make me a four, three defensive end? But this was pre-draft. But I just think. When you take a guy who's had a lack of direction, which I think we could say that's that's been part of the situation he's been in, there has not been a clear, simple idea about what he is. Um, you know, you look at it like a little bit like a pinch hitter. Like, hey, man, your job in this spot is to just go up and hunt fastballs, and then we'll work over the next two years. We'll, we'll you'll become an everyday player, and we'll help you with the breaking ball and all that. But right now, let's hunt fastballs. I think that's you just strip it all down and and. I think the Niners, they're they're pretty. Li- if if you could choose a position coach to be one of your best position coaches, I think D line O line would be really high on your list too. I think you're lucky when you have that because generally, you'd be afraid of your best D line coach. You, sometimes your best position coaches become coordinators, and once they become coordinators, if they're good at that job, they're gone. And the Niners are not really at risk at that with. With Chris Kurasek, uh, right? I can never quite say it right. Uh, K- Kaserik. Kaserik, thank you. Um, I think he's even gone on record like, 
obviously, I think he makes a ton. He might make one yeah, and a half pay million dollars, which they have no problem doing. I, I don't even think he aspires to like do do coverages and defense. He could make two million dollars a year. Th- hell, three million dollars. You pay him whatever it takes to keep him around if he wants to stay. Right? It's um, it's a real. It, he's a really valuable asset because Drake Drake Jackson drafted by somebody else without a good defensive line coach might be a worse pick. Drafted by a team with a really good defensive line coach. What you're saying is, I've got the artist. Let me get the highest quality clay here. And he just has the potential to be really high quality clay based on his his physical attributes. Well, I think part of the two, when you have a great position coach in football, you can, because I, I was listening to someone say like, because I've just been thinking a lot about Kayvon in New York. And then I heard, you know, you know who their defensive coordinator is? Wink, Wink Martindale. Martindale. And you know what he's used to in Baltimore? Dealing with some people. And just he can just handle personalities on top of like scheme and defense. But it's like oh, he's been point. he's been around some crazies, you know. So it's like bring him on. I bet there's a decent chance Wink's banging the table. Like I dare you to give me this guy. You right. see what I cook up with this guy? And I bet Kasurik. And the difference is with the Niners, like they were drafting 61. Like a lot had to go at like him. He had to be there. He easily could have gone in the second. And you said this last night when we did the Drake video for YouTube. If Drake Jackson, who was a huge recruit, had been coming from a stable situation, like if he had just been playing for Ryan Day at Ohio State or for Kirby or Nick or, you know, even for Mario the last three years at Oregon, like a, one coach, very stable, consistent team, you'd be like, this has been a little weird, right? But that is – it's easy to justify it when guys come from weirdness. I think you see – I text you today. I look up. It's like the seventh LSU guy. And it's like, I thought LSU was a joke. They, they had like eight guys get drafted. Cause I think everyone inside is going weird. Things are going on weird things. I mean, look, their best player ended up going, it's like, where's Stingley going to draft the, tw-? no, he went third. Cause what do you think deep down they went in their draft room? Like this is a weird situation. Yeah. We think this guy's a good kid. We think in here he's young. The other thing I think you feel good about too when you take a guy that comes from a weird situation with a lot of question marks, I can deal with youth. Like if, if you're like 23, 24, I'd like you a little mature, but like when you just turned 21, I think it's easy for like John Lynch. Now he's a bad example because he was probably mature at 21, but a lot of people it, like other coaches in the draft room or scouts, like what were we all at 21? Like to give this guy time and Armstead, I think is one of the, He's not going to be talked about like this, but at least for in the Niners vacuum, one of the better stories on the team. I, I he's blown me away, like his maturity, what he's become as a player on and off the field. Like I didn't see this coming. Honestly, he's become. Kind I remember of draft night, you, me, and Ricky Waters at the uh, we had a Hooters. Hooters. Yeah, I think so. In the Buffalo South Wild Bay. Wings, maybe. I doesn't feel like it was a Hooters, but it might have been a Hooters. I think it was a Hooters. Burley and game? I didn't like the pick. Something. I didn't like the pick. Uh, and I, I'm with you. I think he has become one of the, I mean, very stable, clearly person. one of the building blocks of the team. Yeah. You'd say, right. And that's part of it. You're putting him in a room with just like with Javon Kinlaw, you're putting him in a room with, all right, Bosa's is just going to be over there taking care of business. And there's Armstead. Right. And you've got a lot of guys who are fighting for their careers. It tends to be the Niners bring in these guys who turn into really good players for them, but they're proving themselves as part of coming to the 49ers is I'm about business because I don't I'm not a first round pick and I'm not getting the benefit of the doubt right some of these other guys that the Niners bring in so I think it has to be a pretty mature room for the most part because the competition level is pretty high I remember when I was with the Eagles and again this guy was a much 
this guy's a better player. Like I, Drake Jackson won't become this just because this guy's bigger. But it was like, what's up with this JPP guy? You know, he was just this major question mark in the draft. He had like number one overall level talent, but he was kind of weird. And I, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, he'd come from, he hadn't even lived in America that long, but people just didn't quite know, like, what would he be like, you know, getting him. And the New York Giants took him because they went, you know what? We'll get him around Justin Tuck and OCU Manure and he'll be fine. And what they ha- what happened? They got him around and they won the Super Bowl, I think, that year. And he was awesome. And it was like he just excelled. And he ended up blowing off his hand. But <laughs> he's, I mean, hell, he's still on the Tampa. Like he's going to go on to have a long, long career because the foundation was the people he was around immediately with a high-level room. Yeah. And I, I do think having high-level rooms really matter when you want to take chances on guys in football because that room – like the D-line room, I would say 15 hours a week just together in a meeting room, let alone on the practice. You, you and I go to a lot of practices. Like, I guess NFL practice probably aren't even that much different. If you're listening to this, you played high school football. Like, you spend a lot of time at practice, at minimum, like an hour of an two-hour practice just with your group, right? Just standing around each other, just being around each other, talking with each other, helmet off with each other, around the coach. Just You're kind of in little pods, right? And that pod specifically, the O-line and D-line group, because like wide receivers end up going like with the running backs and like that, those two guys, the O-line and D-line kind of stick with their own little self for the majority of practice before the team gets together. Right. Right. So having like Eric, like, Hey man, no, you got to do this. You got to do this is is a huge, huge, valuable thing to have. Like he's, he's worth his value to them. If he's going to be a leader on top of just the way he's playing. Yeah. As long as he produces like that, the other stuff you get with him is, pretty valuable yeah because nick you would say is not the biggest talker no but he i mean is just a guy that you don't you look bad if you don't put forth effort with nick bosa standing next for to sure because he's he, gonna look good but you do need someone who's gonna be a little vocal for sure agreed yep all right uh the running back room not quite as deep um as the 49ers d line room so the niners with the uh, 29th pick of the third round drafted ty davis rice uh, what was the initial reaction you got when uh, this pick was made? We were streaming on Friday. What was the initial scouting report uh, reaction? One guy told me Rich. Another one said Rich, good Shanahan. Explain that Rich. When, as I, when I say Rich, hybrid. like yeah, we had him in the fifth. Now I, I think once you get to you know late third, early fourth, there are going to be some discrepancies on boards. You know, I think Drake Jackson's the you know type guys like that, and most people are going to be relatively in the same ballpark. When you talk about specific running backs. You know, especially Kyle Shanahan running backs, he doesn't need you to be elusive. He doesn't need you to catch the ball. Like, I don't think a lot of people think he's going to be great in the passing game. I would say the 49ers don't really throw it to running backs. <laughs> they, they, they throw it to their wide receivers and their tight end. They run the ball with their running backs. Not that it's not a huge positive to have, be able to catch it. Not saying that you don't want them like Kyle would like his guys to catch it, but they're just, you value things. Like they have specific values with running backs, I, I would say. Kyle may be different than, you know, the the Chiefs, right? Or just some other teams that probably run more screens. Like, yeah. The 49ers run a lot of running back screens. No. That's, you know, like, unless you count Debo as a running back. Yeah. You coach, you know, you work for Andy. Like, your running backs, like, part of Clyde is he's basically like a receiver, right? I mean, the the 49ers just want you to run zone Mm -hmm. and run it a lot and fucking not go out of bounds. So, uh, you know, there's a few conversations to have after they draft this guy. One is about Trey Sermon. I go back, and I remember last year after the 49ers drafted Elijah Mitchell, 
you and I made a video, you and I watched the tape. It was obvious from the first carry that Elijah Mitchell ran like a Kyle Shanahan running back. The question when we watched it was, can he run the way he ran at Louisiana for the 49ers? Because if he does, he looks exactly like a Kyle running back. He would hit a hole. He would run 100 miles an hour as hard as he could, and it would be an eight-yard run, and he'd hit three different people on the way. And there's not much conversation about, well, what about his breakaway speed, right? Because whatever. If you've gotten six yards, who cares? That's, that's already a successful carry. Yeah. And it was obvious, I thought, very quickly. And again, this is not revisionist history. Go check the tape. We, we did it after they drafted him, and we both said, this guy looks like a Kyle running back. When I watched Ty Davis Price, to me, he looks better, I thought, his LSU tape than Trey Sermon's tape. He just looks to me closer. He reminded me of that feeling when we watched Elijah Mitchell. I'm not saying he looks like Elijah Mitchell. I'm just saying when you watch him, he immediately looks to me like a guy that runs the way Kyle Shanahan's going to want him to run. Whereas I think part of the issue with Trey Sermon wasn't just that he got banged up, but that when he carried the football, it didn't look like he was making quick, immediate decisions, one cut and go. And this guy, to me, looked – I can understand why Kyle Shanahan watched this guy and said, "This I want this player to play for me. Well, they were asked about it last night. Is part of this pick taking a little, you know what, off Debo? And he said, yeah. I mean, that's something, obviously, we're talking about. Because part of it, for a team that wants to lead the league in rushing, because that's – Kyle dreams about leading the league in rushing every single year. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's an aspiration for Kyle Shanahan. How many times last season were like – you know, we're, we hope to have two healthy running backs going into this game. I mean, they, they had for a team that had seven running backs to start the season, half of them, one of them got hurt sitting on a chair. Uh, uh, Mozart disappeared with three different injuries. Elijah Mitchell was hurt by the second game. Trey Sermon's first career carry he got knocked out. I mean, it's just they disappeared. So you could argue two things. One, Kyle Shannon is going to need a lot of depth at that position, just the way he's asked him to play. And two, part of avoiding Debo from having to carry the load is to have running backs. And I, I also think, and you mentioned this, it's not just you just watch the tape of Trey and, like, I wonder if they question Trey Sermon, you know? And it's like, eh, I don't know if this is a good fit, which is fine. You know, it's, it's it, you don't want to hold on. I, I'd rather have you just move on a year later, if you truly believe that. Now, if the guy, if you're moving on too fast, like you got to give him some time. Right. But he's a pretty established player, right? Oklahoma, Ohio State, had a year with Kyle. Now, you could argue he could easily get it back. And I think they'd be they'd be like, we'd be fine with Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, and this kid. And he's going to get his chance backs. to do it, yeah. So you, I, I just don't think you can have enough running backs on this team with the head coach who just, especially with the, Brand new quarterback who's going to—he's going to want to hand it off. I have been saying for a few days. I give your guy Howie Roseman a lot of credit. He does not chase mistakes. If Jalen Rager, JJ Ortega, Whiteside, miss, miss, fine. Devontae Smith, AJ Brown. Let's just let's fix it. Let's not hang on. Uh, four years of trying to maybe this guy will turn into what we hoped. Right now, it's I guess it's different with injuries like Jalen Hurd. It didn't really cost them anything to keep trying, but don't chase mistakes. Uh, and hold on too long. If it's time to sell, sell. And I think you you made the same point. You said the Jets, you think, are doing the same thing the Niners are doing. Well, they've taken two running backs really high the last two years. I think last year was a fourth. This year, a second. I, I, you know, I think two things really help a young quarterback. The tight end, just because he's so much closer, typically, than most of the receivers on routes, right? And definitely a running back. 
You know, I mean, I think early on in Dak's career, think how much Dak benef- benefited from Sweet Zeke. Just every game, hand the guy the ball 20 times. I mean, part of like Dak's come back to earth a little bit. Well, what's happened the last couple of years? Zeke can't really run. They're really Sweet pro- Zeke? Well, I'm just saying when Zeke was sweet. No, no, I like Sweet Zeke. That's, yeah, I was like, sweet if he had Zeke. turned into a great running back instead of Walter Payton's sweetness, you could have called him Zekeness. But, he, but for like two years, two and a half years, he was one of the best running backs in the league. Like he was yeah. a fucking monster. And he got paid. And you don't and now need, he's not. They, the 49ers don't need a monster, but they just need guys you can hand the ball off because it makes it very easy on the quarterback. I, yeah. I get the Bills credit. Last night, they take Dalvin Cook's brother, uh, brother in the second round. What, what's going to help Josh Allen out just can't put all the pressure on him, hand it off. People have I mean, been telling Debo, Andy Reid to hand it off for years, and he's like, no, I'm going to throw. <laughs> Luckily, Kyle wants to run. Debo was their third leading rusher last year in terms of attempts, right? Do you Trey Sermon, 41 carries, actually. I would have guessed it was like 28, but it was 41 well, he, for Trey. I do think he had a game where he got like 15. I mean, part of Debo, it was working, so why wouldn't you do it? But I think they got to the point where they started using him a lot because they didn't have a choice. Yeah, I mean, part of it is you're playing in all these high leverage games. So you just, you know, you don't want him. He doesn't eight carries week three against the Lions. You don't want to have to do that. It's basically the equivalent when you say of like Kevin Durant playing like 10 straight games, 40 minutes. You ideally don't want to have to do that. But like, that's right. In football, you don't get uh, work work, uh, load management days, right? You don't, I mean, you do in practice. You don't take Sundays off, but there are days where it's like, let's not give this guy care, you know? Yeah. Okay. With, with the division on the line against the Seahawks. Well, against the Rams, division on the line won't be on the line against the Seahawks. But you wouldn't think, but they wouldn't Kenneth think. Walker, Kenneth Walker, Rashad Benny. No, Pete Carroll's like, I'm going to run it 70 times a game. All right, the 49ers. Then speaking of mixing it up a little bit, with the uh, 41st pick of the third round, John, they drafted Danny Gray out of SMU. Sonny Dykes, wide receiver with speed. And that was one of the stories of this draft coming in. One of the things that people believed was there would be speed receivers available in later rounds. Oh, I say later rounds. I mean mid-rounds. Um, and they got one. They got one. I would say watching him, he's different than everyone else they have at receiver. And you and I went through the depth chart on Friday night. They don't after Debo Ayuk and uh, Juwan Juwan Jennings wide open. Yeah, Ray Ray McLeod, Trent Trent Shurfield, special teamer. Trent Shurfield, and we we said this the other night, but you know we we love Trent Shurfield in camp too last year, but they didn't treat him like uh, there was a big future ahead for him on their on their team. Yeah, I mean i I think the Niners have been desperate for a speed wide receiver. Now, asking around about him, I guess Trent Shurfield's now on the Dolphins. Uh, it was a one-year deal, so they, they lost him. But I think the knock on this guy's hands, and obviously to play you know, wide receiver in the NFL, you have to be able to catch the ball. Now, if you have questionable hands, you either have to have two things. One, be a physical freak. I think DK is not known to have natural hands. Vernon Davis, Terrell Owens, but those guys are. Every time they ever played in the NFL in their prime, they were the most physically gifted guy usually on the field. You can get away with that. I would say the other way you can get away with having questionable hands is being the fastest guy on the field. Not just, you know, 6'4", 230 or whatever. 
And that's this guy. He's just his play speed. I, I saw a couple highlights. And again, you know, the conference he was in, yeah. uh, you know, it's not the SEC, but they have been very good with Sonny the last couple of years, right? Sonny's really kind of had a muscle flex of like, guys, remember, I can really coach offense and you put me in the right conference where I thrive in the Southwest. I can kick ass. And I've looked up a couple of times and like SMU nine and one. I mean, I think they've been like competing to win the conference last year. Yeah. I mean, they went, did they end up, I I was watching his, his TCU game. I don't know what the final score of that game was, but it was, they were toe to toe with TCU. He had a big game and a touchdown. This guy can fly with the ball in his hands. So TCU wasn't quite the Gary Patterson defense TCU of old last year, but still. So I, I I don't mind the pick at all. You know, you, you just get some speed. You just, you just need more playmakers. You know, you can never have enough just playmakers. Yeah. Uh, and they won the game. They did win that game. But I think part of this is <clears throat> a guy like him, you could always use speed, right? They Danny Gray is basically a later round version of what the Cardinals, Rams, and Seahawks all did last year with Dwayne Eskridge, Tutu Atwell, and Rondale Moore when they all drafted speed guys in the same round, pretty close to each other. And part of it with a speed guy, if you are versatile enough to play in Kyle's offense, is that it's not about you catching 15-yard in cuts and trying to catch in traffic. I'm going to get you the ball on end arounds and bubble screens. And I just need you to, because what was the word you use? Focus drops. Is that what you yeah, said? Focus drops. Yeah. Meaning. Well, I think there's a big difference between a guy they like can't catch who just has bad, bad hands, bad hand eye coordination. And a guy like, you know, who's a guy I think that has natural hands, but he will have drops. If you want is Amari Cooper and Debo Amari. Too. Cooper. I would say that Amari, I think Debo, does he have that many drops? He had 12 last year. It feels like he made up for him, didn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Can you make your point on Amari? Yeah, I mean, Amari was a guy that can have, like, spectacular catches, but also have basic drops, and coaches love calling it, and, like, in the business, focus drops, concentration drops. Like, you don't have – it's not me or you out there. Like, Amari, you can catch the ball. Debo, you can catch the ball. Is And sometimes with a guy like Debo – it's a natural football thing, right? I'm thinking about what I'm going to do with the ball in my hands, which we see. You see it 50 times on Saturday and Sunday combined, right? The guy who's kind of open is already kind of looking upfield. There's a difference between that and the like, I'm kind of in traffic. I'm looking it in, but I'm thinking about other shit and the ball hits my hands. Also, it's I, I've always defended wide receivers a little bit. Like, it is hard. It's not. I mean, the ball's coming pretty high. You're running at high speed. I think we take it for granted just how elite the guys are that never drop the ball. Keenan Allen had a bunch of drops. Like drops, I I can live with drops. Honestly, the scouting, the scout in Middlecoff, something doesn't bother me that much. If you make plays. Like if if you're going to score me touchdowns, if you're going to make big plays, I can live with a couple drops. I can't live with drops when you don't bring enough. That's why Amari's drops never bothered me that much because he's productive enough and scores enough touchdowns to make up for it. Like Debo you're right. Now thinking about it, he had some pretty just basic drops over the middle. Don't even give a shit. It's why Vernon Davis forever. You're just like whatever. He doesn't have great hands. Terrell, obviously, Terrell Owens and DK are the best versions of like, yeah, their hands aren't great. Who cares? Yeah. But th- I would say for him specifically, when you're not like a top ten pick or whatever, he it's going to be something he has to focus on because for him to get playing time, like he can't be dropping. But like we're at training camp and he's two drops with the twos, like that'll piss Kyle off, right? Especially when you're not getting, you know, 40 snaps, you know, 35 snaps a game might be 11 snaps and you're out there for a specific reason. But I also think, you know, this is where Trey Lance now comes into play. 
throwing the ball down the field was not really a part of the 49ers offense, going over the top with down the field throws because it's not a big part of Jimmy Garoppolo's game. He's not a very accurate deep ball thrower. To me, the Jimmy deep ball thing wasn't just about his arm. It, it when they took shots sometimes it was it wasn't about he wasn't strong enough to throw it necessarily. It wasn't even close. It, it, was, just, it was inaccurate. Yeah, right? It was a, it almost felt like a wasted play, didn't it? So now we're talking about a bigger arm quarterback and we'll see, you know, obviously the accuracy I got to be fair if I'm talking about accuracy with Jimmy. We got to talk about accuracy with Trey. <laughs> but um, we're in progress. But, you know, if you're fast, maybe you're open by five yards. I don't know. He, that's what he was in the But you, ha- you have to utilize down the field with a big arm guy, right? You, you got to just take shots. There's a part of the field that the Niners only used it in like misdirect. Like it'd be, here comes use check out of the backfield and he's open 40 yards down the field, right? Yeah. And uh, maybe that can change. Well, how many guys in this draft? I guess there were a couple guys in the second round, like Thornton ran fast. Sky Moore ran fast. But in the first round, like Garrett Wilson's not a deep threat. I wouldn't say Drake London's definitely not a deep threat. Traylon Burks, I don't think they're going to be running go routes with him and Tannehill. They're going to try to get him the ball, I would say, within 10 yards and let him work. Alave, I mean, they drafted him for Jameis to throw bombs. And you would say the one thing Jameis has, he can turn the ball. He can throw it a long way down the field. Yeah. like They're going to want to take shots with Chris Alave. One of the reasons the, the, the catch an eight-yard pass and run seven yards – is a higher percentage play or like run 10 yards or, you know, slant, these, are, yeah. these are higher percentage plays too. quick out. And part of that gives Kyle Shanahan the con- a little more, it gives your coach a little more control when you're running higher percentage plays. Right. And when you have a good play caller, that's a good thing. Agreed. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast or steak tips in every order for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer, when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. Butcherbox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called game time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, Promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M. Save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, Niners took some linemen, John, as well. Just want to note that. The word on Spencer Buford maybe can turn into a tackle in a couple of years. Did they... Did they draft the replacement yeah. for McGlinchey? Well, I, I heard he's probably more of a guard. I, I just heard he's a pretty raw product. Did you have a scouting report on him? Just that he's just a raw kind of uh, need some time. This guy didn't like him that much. I said, uh, you like Buford? Yeah, as a developmental guy. Not ready. <laughs> so, but, you know, that's talking fourth, fifth, you know, round offensive line. Because the one thing you see with offensive linemen, like, you draft a guy in the fifth round, he is 6'5", 310. Like, it's not like, you know, we drafted this tackle, he's only 6'1". Like, no, they're all the same size. Some just don't aren't as powerful. Some just smaller schools. This guy's from, what, University of Texas El Paso or T- Texas San Antonio? Yeah. UTEP. UTEP. Uh, uh, sorry, no, UTSA. UTSA. So, I mean, some of it's competition. But the one thing the offensive linemen have consistently the entire draft, they're all relatively similar sizes. Like, you're not like, this guy's 240 pounds, but we think we can bulk him up to three. Like, no, they're, it, it's just you got to work on. I think this guy's a little more uh, athletic than Banks um, is the mindset. But, you know, Banks, I'd say most guys in the draft, like Aaron Banks came from Notre Dame, and he was a complete project for them, right? From Notre Dame, who was producing Quentin Nelson's McGlinchey, well, Zach project Martin. was he would have been was the fit, right? It was a different style of play. Yeah, they had to slim not. down a little bit for the zone scheme. But I just don't think a lot of people are quite doing what Kyle's asking, even in college. Yeah, Lincoln's yeah. going to run zone, and then John Lynch is a lock to draft one of his offensive linemen in the next couple of years. <laughs> uh, then they took a tackle out of Fordham, who is this is to your point. Uh, six six three sixteen. Yeah, so he's huge. That's a tackle. Yeah, that's a tackle. Now I think the thing on on Buford. Let me go check his arm measurements. I think he has long arms. So I think that's why some people are suggesting he could eventually be a tackle. But yeah, the feeling is to your point. This you're developing this guy. The question is, they have not really developed a lineman at the rate in which they've developed D lineman, which might be unfair. Most people don't develop anything the way that well, I, I heard. D-linemen. I heard. Uh... I watched Bill on Thursday night, uh, like five minutes of his, he just did, it wasn't even a, it was a Zoom with all the reporters. And there's peppering him with Cole Strange. Like, where's he going to play? He's like, I don't know. It's like, he, I've, he's played tackle. He's played guard. I, I'll get him some looks at center. Like, we'll see. Like, I'm open. I'll let him play wherever he's good at. Like, I don't, that's part of with offensive linemen. The thing is, you love guys that you think can be versatile. Like, this guy can play both tackle spots. I think this guy can play tackle and guard. Can this guy play guard and center, right? Like, sometimes if you draft a Linderbaum or Alex Mack, like an elite guy, you're like, this guy's our starting center. But I think ideally you want a guy like, this guy can play right and left guard. This guy can play guard and tackle in a pinch. And that's, I think, where you get much more bang for your buck if you go, you know, could this guy, could we get him? Is he good enough? And maybe you find out right away, like, actually, this guy could play tackle. Or right away, you go, actually, this guy can play guard and he's played center before when he was young. Who You don't know. 
you see him do it in college, but especially like Belichick's example, like ultimately this guy was coming from Chattanooga or Cole Strange is coming from, you know, San Antonio or it's one thing when a guy's coming from Alabama, he's been like the right tackle in the SEC. You go, yeah, this guy's probably going to play right tackle, right? And that's why Leatherwood right away was such a weird thing because they had to move him to guard. And you're like, "Ah, that's a bad sign. You know, you drafted this guy at 17 to be your right tackle and he couldn't do it. When you take guys to me, like especially in the by the third day, just bring them in, start them at a position that you think he can do, and then just let it let it go from there. Spencer Buford, that, six, that is long. That is long arms. Yeah, six four, but thirty four and three quarters arms. That's long arms, and big. I mean, it's, that's long arms. Uh, thirty. We'll call him thirty five. Did he go? Like, is there a time? Uh, if you scroll down a little bit, they're like uh, times 40, 5, 1, 9, 40, 27 and a half vert, 20 yard shuttle, 4, 7, 3. I wouldn't really call him explosive. 27, 5, not great vert, but you're 300 pounds. Those long arms, you can dunk pretty easy. One thing I like doing, and they did this, is I was watching Howie. And they got to the second round yesterday. And they're like, you know, we came down to two players. It was the center that they ended up drafting, a kid from Nebraska, or Nicobe Dean. And they're like, we debated it, you know. And by the time he was talking, they also had Nicobe Dean. But he's like, obviously, we didn't think Nicobe Dean was going to be on the third round. It was just basically, we got to take one of these two guys, and we're one of the other ones going to disappear because we don't really have any other picks to trade up. And our organization philosophy, and these guys know, we lean line here and everyone's cool with it. Like that's when the, the deciding factor of both guys are aid. Are you in the trenches? Cause if you're in the trenches, we're taking you. And I think if you just go more often than not with that philosophy, like I looked up a couple times, I saw the, the Patriot guys for the Raiders taking D tackles, D tackles, just, just fucking take alignment mm-hmm. and then take a bunch of them. And you've just taken a bunch of swing. Some of them are going to suck, but you're all of a sudden you're like, God, we remember that time we got, starting guard and a defensive tackle in the fourth and fifth round because we took five linemen total. Right, right. You know, and to me, that is the mindset. Because ultimately, football, the one area that it's still really physical is definitely in the trenches. Like, I I bet if you met someone who blocks Aaron Donald, they wouldn't be like, yeah, the league's really softened up. (laughs) You know, what's it What's it like going up against uh, Cam Hayward? You know, he just takes it easy on you. You know, you don't want to get penalties. (laughs) It's like, uh, you have fun blocking Miles Garrett? Yeah, it's just, you know, the league softened. You know, it's just a bunch of pussies in there. <laughs> the only way you talk about that is in the passing game, like the receivers and DBs, but not yeah. in the trenches. Basketball on grass. Where That's where the Niners have really helped themselves out, you know, over the stretch, right? And the Rams, I, I'd say, on defense have been pretty good in the D-line. I mean, yep. It just helps. <laughs> Uh, Alex, thank you. Alex asked, what are the odds that Drake Jackson's the best D end out of the draft? I think, you know, he's saying since there weren't any guys that were viewed as Miles Garrett in this draft, so Kayvon, uh There were a lot you know, of Aiden Hutchinson. There the were a lot round. of them. Yep. That'd be Car- bad. Carloftis, Ojabo, Walker. Ravens took him. So you got to wait, wait a year on him. Walker, Mafe. Uh, Nick Bonito, that was a guy that Daniel Jeremiah really liked. He went to the Broncos at uh, the first pick of the second round. What is it? Oh, the thirty-second pick of the second round. If Drake, if if in five years it's viewed as this kid's the best pass rusher in the draft, 
I don't see how, unless like one of these quarterbacks is a home run, it would be viewed as one of the best picks in the entire draft, right? Yes, it would. <laughs> It'd be, it would be on there. I mean, if that's the case, then you're talking, I don't know. I'm not saying it's Nick, Bo- but then just like Kittle and Fred Warner. And that's the category then that you're in, even though he was drafted higher than those guys. Debo. I mean, it'd be, they get a lot of credit. You, but you naturally, and you should, you get a lot of credit for, I would say, non like top 50 picks that become really good players. You get extra credit when it's the third day. When you get like, when they, when they went to the fifth round today, George Kittle was the second guy that NFL Network on their like uh, video package. You know, this is who you can get. And it was like, it was like Richard Sherman and George Kittle were the first two guys. And you're like, damn, this is going land in the fifth round. Oh, well, yeah, like three of these guys. Most of them are like some random, you know, chasing people on special teams. Right. Which is fine, right? You're, you're cool with getting – you got to get some special teams players. But you, and let's face it, you're probably only getting a George Kittle, and even he's the high end, but like a really, really good starter in the later rounds once every three years. Like I don't think you can really depend on that. Like you do got to do your work in the first couple of rounds. That's usually where you land the majority of your starting players. Maybe not. Uh, I guess if we did a study. What's that? Yeah, I'm sure someone has done that study. Yeah, I mean, all these teams do it before the draft for value. Like, wh- where is like, hey, eighty percent of the best receivers in the league have gone between thirty-five and sixty. You're like, so do we need to take a guy in the first round? And you're constantly going. That you know, the, the thing is at the time, there's never a right or wrong answer. And I, I was thinking this the other day, and I think we talked about this, but when I was watching the Warriors close out the the uh the Nuggets, and I just I was like, God, you know, it's kind of crazy that Nicole Jokic was like, you know, he was like a 15th pick in the draft, and I just typed in his name to Wiki, and it was he was the 41st pick in the draft in the NBA draft. Which so is the like, 40, what's the 41st pick in the NBA draft? I mean, I'd say, in the NFL? you know, the second round feels kind of like the sixth, fourth round in the NFL. Do you think it's sixth? Well, it Maybe. probably depends where you're drafting. 41st is, could be, yeah, late fourth or fifth. Early. Yeah. If, if I told any I mean, NBA. Draymond team, felt like a late third rounder, right? But some other guys feel like seventh rounders. What would you say 41 feels when I say it out loud? Uh, yeah. I mean, late four to me, like fourth round. So NFL. if you if you get a two time MVP and one of the best players in the sport in the fourth round, like it's it's an all time draft pick. But it just made me think, like ultimately you're dealing with people. There are huge question marks on all these guys. Like the maturity question on Drake Jackson: Will he mature? Maybe he never does. No one ever knows until you actually know. And you're like, actually, he never matured, and he was a bad pick. Or you know, actually, he just figured it out, and we love him. <laughs> you know, there are, some guys are like Desmond Ritter. You just watch everyone's like, this guy, man, just gets it. Yeah, I would say the majority of the draft aren't just get it. Like some guys aren't going to feel it out and there's going to be a learning process. And some of them, they just might not be talented enough. Some of them do get it. And it's like, this guy's just not fast enough. This guy can't fucking run. Or goddamn, he just lacks no power. Uh, John, as we're recording this, the New England Patriots selected defensive tackle Sam Roberts, the uh, chat has alerted us to the fact that the Patriots, this, we're in the sixth round now. The Patriots took Sam Roberts. Let me pull up um, his NFL draft profile here for you. There's no photo. 
There is no listed college because the reason this came up is Sean said he's watching TV and there's no listed college. Lance Zerline's prospect grade is no grade. Likely needs time in developmental league. What what, what developmental league? What does that mean? Sam Roberts. Who is this guy? Football. This, they try. They just draft a basketball player or like a German or something. This guy, man, he gets off on doing shit like this. He he really does. I mean, I he, found a person named Sam Roberts who played at Northwest Missouri State. But again, like, why wouldn't they have a college listed for him? Do you know what I think he likes doing? Is rattling the other thirty-one draft rooms of like, hey, coach, we don't have a car. Hey, uh, who did his area? And every everyone's just silent. Like, okay, where's the card? Uh, coach, we, we don't have a card. Who, 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 I've never heard of the guy. Bill likes the guy, but we've never heard of him. That's a problem. Yeah, Northwest, Northwest, Northwestern Missouri, Missouri State is what their official Twitter bringing a Bearcat to the borough or so the, the guy, Foxborough. So the guy did play football. Okay, yeah, he's just not. They didn't NFL Network or was it ESPN? Whichever Sean on the stream said did not have a college for him listed. And then I went to the NFL.com draft tracker. There was not a college for him listed. And there's obviously not a the, prospect rate on it. In fairness, I, I just, Mike Reese. Remember when I got Tyler, Tyler Klutz got drafted, he was not in the NFL's draft system. Remember he wasn't drafted. He, uh, when he signed from the USFL or that whatever was what it was. Yeah. But uh, that, that was no. a lot of guys in the, no. like uh, Sandejo wasn't, there were a lot of players in that league. This guy, it's not as crazy. 6'4, 290. He was the 2021 Cliff Harris Award as top non Division One defender. Never heard of the award, but Bill has. Bill definitely has. Bill probably like knows seven people that have won the award off the top of his head. Did you see or did you show? Maybe you showed me the clip of Jason Kelsey when the Eagles drafted a center. Did you see that clip? How he has him watch the centers. He says his favorite player in the draft is the closest. I guess he's been watching centers for a few years. He says the closest guy to me that I've seen since I've started watching prospects. He's like super athletic, bendy, flexible. Do you think that I watched the Eagles press conference on Friday night? And the first question was like, Howie, we'd never heard that you've had Jason Kelsey been watching prospects. And I, yeah, we didn't go on the defensive, but he's like, you know, we're not. Jason doesn't just get to pick the players. Like we agreed with his take. Like we have, we give him a list of like, you know, 20 guys. He wants to do it. I was thinking like, it's not even that dumb of an idea. If the guy wants to get, he's one of the best players on the team. He loves football. Like if Richard Sherman, when he was on the Niners, were like, Hey John, can I play a role in the draft? Like I'll watch some DBs with you. They would have given him DBs, right? Hell yeah. he might have. I think it's pretty cool when guys, well, honestly, you remember how incredible easy transition of Jason Kelsey. Like I watched him talk. he, there were other offensive linemen. He was doing the bleacher thing, and he he was rattling off like, "I love this guy. I think he's versatile." I watched like, "Is this guy a future general manager?" Well, his demeanor is to me more front office guy than like TV personality. I think he enjoyed watching these guys and meeting them and talking to them and 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 like projecting them. He was very serious about it. Um, well, you remember how John Lynch started scouting? He was still working at Fox. Elway would bring him in and have him watch. The first year, Elway had him watch just the safeties. The second year, he had him watch all the DBs and invited him into their draft meetings. 
Now, Elway hadn't told anybody else that John Lynch was coming to the draft meeting. So Lynch showed up early, sat down in the draft room. What's up, guys? And everyone's looking at him like, why is John Lynch? Is he visiting? Like, what is John Lynch doing here? And then Elway came in and started the meeting. He's like, oh, by the way, John Lynch watched a bunch of DBs. Didn't tell anybody. But that's what he had him do. But John isn't Elway. that in the meeting where he ended up sitting next to Adam Peters and they became buddies? And now Adam Peters is the right-hand guy? <laughs> a lot of respect for Adam Peters. Guy, you yeah. never know when you're sitting next to someone you think is coming for your job, may end up being a business partner of yours. Yeah. <laughs> Smart. Um, what else we got NFL draft wise? Anything else to add? Uh, uh, I do think it's a little weird. The took the punter. I do think it's a little weird. The Patriots took quarterback. I mean, I you can tell me it's the highest graded guy on their board. I mean, they took fucking Mac Jones last year in the first round. They took a quarterback in the fourth round. I'm all for taking quarterbacks a lot, but I, I'm not saying they're out on Mac Jones. But I don't see how you could argue that's not a little weird. Is it not? I think that if you drafted Mac Jones last year and we talked about, oh, we talked about it from a Niners perspective. And I think if you drafted Mac Jones last year and they did, I watched Mac Jones and my reaction was, you're probably going to need another quarterback in five years. Now, that might be fine. They needed a quarterback. So if they just got a quarterback for you could have easily whiffed on that first round pick with another pick. We need a quarterback for the next four years, I guess is what it would be. Uh, for them, our guy's going to play right away, right? We're not going to develop Mac and wait two years for him. We're just going to play him. Uh, I, I don't not, think not Bill nothing. has any illusions of Mac Jones being the quarterback of the future. I don't see how you could have watched him last year. Now, maybe he gets better and becomes that, but I don't see how you could have watched Mac Jones last year and go, we're not going to need a quarterback for the next decade. Here's the bizarre. other thing. Now, this guy, you know, when they drafted Jimmy, they drafted Jimmy in the second round, right? Yeah. And ultimately, they traded him for a second-round pick. So that wasn't about developing, boosting stock, and then, you know, building up a house, flipping a house. That wasn't a flip. They he, thought they Bill thought actually they wanted to keep Tom Forstum to get traded. And they thought they were drafting Tom's replacement. And he was all, it almost worked out. This guy got drafted in the, the fourth round or the fifth round, Bailey Zappi. In that book, they said that was that Bill, fourth or fifth, fourth, fourth. That, so that Bill Bill tried to extend Garoppolo like a two year, twenty million dollar contract to give him some cash, but he Jimmy knew Jimmy that. was like dead set on starting and like yeah. wouldn't sign it. Yeah, Bill well, Bill's, I mean, Bill's open to do weird shit, right? You if, if Bill was here and wasn't going to tell us that he was trying to replace Mac, I think he could make a compelling case. He was by far the guy we liked the most in the fourth. I've had. Brian Hoyer back in games up for me on and off for the last decade. I can't win. I I can't. I it's not if Mac Jones gets hurt for three weeks, I'm not going three and oh. I'm Bill yeah. Belichick. It's not happening. I'm not going two and one. I think I might have something here. Who knows? Maybe Mac gets hurt and this guy's got to start. Maybe this guy's better than Mac. Maybe he's not. At worst, if he's solid, I might have a backup for the next four or five years. Maybe I can flip him for a third. Whatever. I think Bill could probably make, I think you make a compelling case for it. Here, here's what Rap Sheet just quoted. Some notes on Bailey Zappi. Love the name. From evaluators. If I was picking a quarterback for my flag football team, he'd be my top choice. <laughs> That's a weird one. Insanely smart. Ball gets out of his hand so fast. Will be a great backup forever. Bill's had to win games with backups before. He had to play a whole season with a backup once, right? Bailey Zappi is a hell of a name. It's definitely Zappi. That's how you pronounce it. Yeah, I've been hearing his name for a while. I know. I feel like part of it. I've seen his name a lot. Z a p p e. 
I thought it was Billy. I kept thinking in my head, Billy, but I guess it's Bailey. Mac is fine. Enough of this chicken little talk. Yeah, he's fine. And he might get better. He's fine. But I, you you know, if yeah, the DJ, Niners are drafting DJ, him. DJ said zappy. Zappy. All right. I'd, I'd have some zappy jerseys. Isn't Zap? Isn't like a, isn't there like a, a chicken place called like Zappy Zappies Zippies Zappies? I, I said Zappy reminds me of a thick Case Keenum. Podcast listener suggested Queso Keenum. I vote we adopt that immediately. Queso Keenum. I don't get it. I don't either. I was just reading tweets. Uh, Sam Howell drafted by the football team in the fifth round. John. Sam Howell, quarterback, fifth round. Sam Howell, Carson Wentz. Sam Howell, Carson Wentz. How's Carson going to handle if Sam Howell has a good good camp? DJ was adamant that he thinks Sam Howell's not bad. So, I mean, Sam Howell, right or wrong, did some interviews with people, right, where they talked about, like, would you – you'd been talking to any teams in the 20s? We talked – like, Sam Howell, fifth rounder or not, there's a part of him for the last few months that have thought, maybe I could go in the first round, right? In other words, if you've always been a fifth-round guy, you don't show up to camp thinking you're necessarily winning jobs. DJ, not, was, yeah, he's DJ not showing a, up to camp taking the job from Carson. But I'm just saying, like, he might show up with kind of a Gardner Minshew type attitude, right? Which would not be good for Carson. Like, I wouldn't want Gardner Minshew playing behind Carson. I haven't seen this guy talk. Is this is that? Did you watch him come off like that? No. Oh, I've just I've, I've just perceived him to be that because I've watched him and I think like he looks like a Baker Mayfield knockoff to me. I don't know not if he, knockoff, I, but just the beard and the, well, yeah, I think the body type similar. I don't know enough about the character. That's risky, but I mean that's where these guys. I just guys to me, go. short quarterbacks have some of that. Got to have some of that to them to survive. Yeah, they do, especially Division One short quarterbacks. And he's right. been thinking for the last two months. I don't care what his agents told him. He's done a bunch of interviews with people like, "Hey, you go in the first round." He's like, "Yeah, maybe I could." Now he didn't, guy, and it wasn't close. Yeah, he came into the season as like people were talking about him being a top ten pick. I'm just saying, does that guy yeah, show could get up? Weird. Could get weird. Thinking, I'm just here to carry Carson's he- uh, shoulder pads for him. Somebody actually, now that I say that out loud, who did I see? Was it Daniel Jeremiah? Somebody tweeted something about Sam Howell. Like, he just got some shit to him. Well, DJ loves him, was adamant that if you throw on the third and seven, like, must passing downs his senior season, best in the class. So, time will Sam Howell has the best third and seven reel of any QB in this class. I'm shocked he fell to the fifth. If, if Wentz starts to slip, I think Howell will be ready to play. That's what DJ said. So it's I, this is there. not going to be ideal for Carson's no, I, psyche. I agree. I agree. <laughs> it's Carson's, I mean, six months away from being out of the NFL. <laughs> not ideal. No. Not ideal. Uh, all right. Good work, everybody. Great to hang with you. We'll see what comes next. Hell of a you draft. Know, hell of a draft. It was a good time. Uh, tell your friends about these guys you watch on YouTube called... Haberman and Middlecoff. Do you think anyone besides the television networks worked more than you and I the last three days? If we say no, then it's then it would just say it. And it's I don't think you know people only Daniel Jeremiah worked harder than us. Just say that. And he didn't and and we chose to do this. He had no choice. It was mandated by his contract. Right. There are no contracts here. There's just us trying to talk to the people. Yep. Accountability and a desire to perform. Yeah, just ready to uh, be had. Plus, it's just like we did go before the draft ended. Hmm. 
Well, the, the <laughs> podcast listeners don't know that we're ending no. this before the seventh round. No. Trust me, they ain't watching it either. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us. Hit that like button if you're on YouTube on the way out. If you're listening, go give us a uh, um, review and uh, five stars. Leave us a question for the mailbag. That's coming up. And, guy, I'm going to end on this. Don't forget, opinions are like buttholes. <laughs> the dumber the opinion, the stinkier the butthole. <laughs> Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.